Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. It's the end of January, and I guess I don't have to tell you there's a state election coming up in November this year, and there's a lot at stake in relation to environment policy, issues around sustainability, and in terms of big-picture issues, the question of social justice and the role of communities in working with democracy. This is Dirt Radio, the program sponsored by Friends of the Earth, and uh, I'm John Langer. Friends of the Earth is engaging directly with some of these critical issues all of the way to polling day in November. And we thought it might be worth providing something of an overview just to set the scene and provide some context for the faux campaigns rolling out over the next 10 months. To offer some background and insight into some of these issues, we've invited Ziana Fuad, the leader, the lead coordinator of FOE's Quit Coal campaign, and Callum Simpson. He's a member of FOE's Forest Collective. Welcome to both of you. Good morning. Thank you. Well, let's start with you, Ziana, and uh, the Quit Coal campaign. I want to just kick things off. Let me give you a bit of a, and everybody, a bit of a rewind over the past few days in Victoria. Okay, they tell us it's the hottest night of the summer. The air cons are roaring everywhere. Power failures, apparently 60,000 homes losing electricity. And then there's the leader of the opposition, Matthew Guy, having a field day, saying the reason it's all happening is because they closed Hazelwood and the coal-fired power station. Now, in all this bluster, there's a technology which is being waved around that's supposed to be the magic bullet that's going to be cure the ills of power failures. It's going to allow us to keep using that old stuff, coal in Victoria. And by golly, it's not going to send emissions, CO2, <clears throat> CO2 emissions crazy into the atmosphere. It's known as carbon capture and storage. You better fill us in, Ziana. What is it? Why is it being pushed by politicians in the fossil fuel industry? Yes, so carbon capture and storage, also known as the money pit, we like to call it. Um, It's the term given to uh, various different types of technology that are used to capture the carbon dioxide that would usually be emitted into the atmosphere, usually from industrial processes or fossil fuel um, power plants. The Victorian government has put millions of dollars into this um, program called the Carbon Net Project, which aims to capture some of the CO2 from the Latrobe Valley coal power plants, transport it along a pipeline and store it underground under the sea off sea spray um, in old oil or gas reservoirs. Um, You know, over Australia, they've put $1.3 billion dollars into these kind of clean coal technologies since 2003. We still haven't seen any projects up and running. Really, it's largely unproven. It's really risky technology that still has health impacts for communities. And we're really worried that it will um, prolong the life of coal when we know that the cheapest way 
to cut emissions is just to keep fossil fuels in the ground. Mm, mm, mm. Now, this carbon capture and storage, so what I've read is it, it, it's, it's an, a technology which has basically been unproven. It's something that huge amounts of money are going into it, but it's still, there's no results. Yeah, so I think there's only about 16 um, CCS projects across the entire world. Only two of them are in coal, and they're still not zero net emissions. So if you look at that scale, really it's not something we want to be investing more money into when there's so many incredible solutions already out there, like renewables. And it's inevitable, the decline of coal. So let's just start transitioning now and help our communities transition to long-term job opportunities and create thriving communities. Now, I want to go back a little bit to what I was saying right at the beginning, the theme of communities and social justice. Yeah. And you just mentioned sea spray. Now, at the center of all this is coal to the point, well, actually, what we're talking about is a transition away from coal. Yeah. But what's going on at sea spray? Because to me, this is very troubling. And what I've been reading is, is it's, well, it's quite troubling. Yeah, so carbon capture is really like rearing its head at the moment because they want to start um, seismic testing off Golden Beach, which is on 90 Mile Beach right near Sea Spray. Um, they want to you know, test what the oil reservoirs or gas reservoirs are like under the ocean where they can store the liquefied CO2. So if you know, like Sea Spray's just fought off the fracking industry for over the last six years, they've won... They have a great community down there and now they've felt this relief and now they're battling this next thing. Um, and, you know, the community is really worried about some of their special wetlands down there. Their rames are listed and, um, you know, it's a beautiful area where a lot of tourists go and they don't want their beach shut all February for seismic testing for this kind of dead-end technology. So they're, gonna, they're actually starting to do this in, in Feb. Yeah, so they're kind of trying to give it legs, even though we know it's a dead-end technology. Well, look, um, have, you been, have you been talking to the people at Sea Spray or are you chatting with them about what's going on? Yeah, so there's an amazing community down there that have already been mobilised through the um, unconventional gas campaign. There's a group that started up down at Golden Beach and you can follow them on Facebook. It's No Carbon Storage on the 90 Mile. Um, they're a really vocal, great community that will be um, working to draw attention to this. And, you know, they've, they've already said no. The social licence has been removed. I, I'm, I'm really puzzled by all this. And I'm trying to work out who... Obviously, Matthew Guy's driving it a bit, but the fossil fuel industry is not... They're not giving up. They're not giving up. No, and, you know, the Victorian government is still investing taxpayers' dollars into this technology. Um, it's going to be used by conservatives to justify using coal for, uh, you know, longer and longer, as long mm -hmm. as it can stand up. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. Yeah, look, the, the things that I've been reading about the, uh, the power stations over the last little while, I might be wrong about this, but apparently there have been a number of major failures like one after the other in in very short sequence of time over uh, several weeks in the last few weeks and yeah. and it, it it despite what people are saying they, they are not the kind of reliable places that they pretend to be yeah coal has been our most unreliable energy source this summer uh, the australian institute has recorded 15 um, coal breakdowns in victoria alone um, and this is because of heat waves. So as 
climate change impacts Victoria, which we're already seeing. We have more heat waves, extended heat waves, and it's impacting our really old technologies like coal. Um, and it's not predictable. Renewables are predictable and they're, um, they're the future, so we really need to transition to them. Yeah, and look, this is, uh, this is something that puzzles me because, uh, you know, the Labor, Andrew's Labor government in has, has actually made some interesting and very productive decisions, environmental decisions, about banning coal seam gas extraction. There's a moratorium on that. And yet, all, uh, in counter to that, that they, they seem to be supporting what you're, what you're talking about. Yeah, so Andrew's government's made some really gutsy moves. Yeah, the VRET, the Victorian Renewable Energy Target, and the ban on unconventional gas. We think Daniel Andrews wants to be a leader on climate and let he's kind of letting us down in this regard. And there's a lot of fear around moving away from coal because of the, un, you know, Hazelwood closures, which mm, is kind of why mm, we're asking, mm, mm. let's plan this before the market plans it. We want this to happen and we want everyone to feel really held and safe in this transition. Yeah, look, this is uh, and and does lead to my next question about the transition in the Latrobe Valley. And clearly, this is, I mean, it's the Labour Party. They're very concerned about jobs. I, I would just wanted to ask you a little bit about the transition that's going on now. It's an in- inevitable transition. The Latrobe Valley is at the epicenter of the changes. Where does where does Faux fit into all of this? How is it, how is it thinking about these things? So we're not working directly in the valley. But we're really out there um, asking that the government commits to the workable and funded, funded plans in diversifying the economy um, in the Latrobe Valley. There's lots of amazing community groups. There's the Earthworker um, Solar Hot Water Factory and there's the Voices of the Valley. So there's people in the Latrobe Valley um, that are coming up with their own plans for their future and we're really lobbying for the government to support these plans. We, we're not going out there telling them what they need. Mm. We just um, we want them, the government to listen to some of these voices. Yeah, look, it's this, and this this is a, it, I guess because it's the Labour Party, they are concerned about. I mean, all parties are concerned about jobs, but Labour Party particularly, and I think that's that's probably at bottom, in part, what's going on. But as you say, it's it's a matter of planning ahead, and mm. it's. To me, it's well. I guess I would say it's it's inevitable that this is going to happen. You've got huge opportunities. Why not take them at this point? Yeah, exactly. It is inevitable, and um, the power stations could close because they're privatized at any point. We've seen little close in New South Wales. And we want the communities to transition to jobs that we know will be around in the future. The VREC created ten thousand new jobs in Victoria. A will, Mm-mm. and um, you know these are the kind of jobs that will bring Victoria into the future. Now, we've covered a lot, a lot of ground. Just one more thing, just before we and something that 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 Quitcoal is dealing with is the renewable energy target, and um, you in the state you want them to push for a, a way higher uh, part of that as well. Well, the Victorian Renewable Energy Target's actually by our sister campaign, Yes to Renewables. So Quick Coal's more working on the other end of transition and the phase out of coal. So our big election asks are that the government stops funding CCS research 
and that they um, use this money to reallocate it into job creation and that they rule out any further allocations of coal for new uses or any other coal infrastructure. So that's our big ask this election. Big asks indeed. <laughs> and look, people listening and, and me too. Where, so where do, we, where do we go to find out a bit more and how do, how do we get involved? So Quick Coal has a website. You can follow us on Facebook. And as I said before, if you want to watch um, the CCS space, please follow the group down at Golden Beach. Um, no carbon storage on the 90 mile. Thanks so much, Ziana. And we will definitely be following all of those things on Dirt Radio. And uh, we'll definitely chat with you again. Thank you. Have you heard about the Melbourne Electric Vehicle Expo? Find out what's happening with electric cars, bikes, skateboards, scooters, buses and more. It's at the Melbourne International Karting Complex in Todd Road, Port Melbourne on Sunday, February 18th. Come along and experience what it's like to drive or ride an electric vehicle. Attend focused seminars and tech talks. Entry is free. To find out more, go to evexpo.org.au. The Alternative Technology Association is a proud supporter of 3CR. I'm Tash Sultana and you are listening to 3CR. Please subscribe. Do yourselves a massive favour. Thank you very much. Dirt Radio, that's us. I want to move now from the black stuff and the brown (laughs) stuff that you find in the ground to the green stuff that grows out of the ground. How beautiful. Apologies for that terrible segue, but (laughs) there there it is. Callum Simpson is a member of Foe's Forest Collective, and he's with Dirt Radio this morning to talk a bit about some of the forest campaign work that's being done around the state during the 2018 election year in Victoria. Welcome, Callum. Thank you, John. Now, there's a lot of talk about the Great Forest National Park in the central highlands of the state, but something I didn't know very much about is the Emerald Link proposal in East Gippsland. Now, I wanted you to tell us a little bit about that and why it's important. Well, there is one spot in mainland Australia where the coastal environments connect with the alpine environments, and that is currently out in the corner of Australia down in East Gippsland, essentially from, um, uh, may mispronounce this, Crodulang National Park through the Quark Forest into Erinundra Plateau and then connecting to Snowy River and etc., uh, this is the only space that currently has this connection, this sort of biolink between the different environments that allow, not to mention like warm and temperate, warm temperate and cold temperate rainforests and old growth. It's beautiful out there, but a large proportion of it is still state forest and is still actively being logged by Vic forests. So the idea with Emerald Link is that there would be, particularly around Quark and some of the other other connections, a protection area, maybe with some tourism and some hiking trails, but no active logging. Not necessarily a park like Great Forest National Park, but a, a place with no more active logging, just put aside mm. for the purposes of environment only. Just, uh, I'm not sure if I, look, I'm, I probably haven't really been around that area. Mm. Have, you, have you been down there and can you describe yeah. a, a little bit? So actually, uh, April last year was the first time I headed out to East Gippsland and shortly after I joined Faux Forest Collective because 
basically the impact of that trip. I've been a couple of times out there since um, with Goonga Environment Centre. Uh, Gecko do a great job of doing citizen science camps and blockades. Mm-hmm. There's a blockade out of Granite Mountain um, right now. Uh, but yeah, headed out there. It, it is hard to describe with these massively tall trees in some areas that are just magnificent cathedral-like structures and then you walk across a hill and you're in this sort of wet fern-filled gully and then you go out in the middle of the night with torches up until like up and up you're staying up till 2am and you're putting these torches into the trees and you're seeing these little eyes poke back and you get all the torches on and then you there there it is a little greater glider in the tree It it is indescribable but it is magical in a way they are Everyone mm-hmm. should get out there when they can. Mm-hmm. It's a gorgeous Amazing. place. You've described it actually very beautifully, okay. in fact, very eloquently. Um, and I have to say, and the thing that's very puzzling and, and troubling is is the fact that they're doing logging there? Yeah, it, particularly since um, logging of forests in Victoria is unprofitable. Like, the... Uh, the Andrews government had to subsidise Australian Papers' um, Hayfield Mill to keep it running. It was about to close down. So the industry has moved on to plantation, and nonetheless, just out of sheer kind of will, Vic Forest continued to actively log um, about an MCG's worth a day, I, I, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly, of old-growth forests, of rainforests. There's 27 well-documented cases of them breaking their own guidelines and breaking state and federal laws in terms of you know, going mm, to mm. Def- defined rainforest. And it is, yeah, it is, there is no reason for it apart from the fact that they, they really want to, to kind of supposedly protect jobs when yeah. the industry's dead and automated yep, and yep. there's... It's a political manoeuvre. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's a sacrificing the forests for well, a political manoeuvre. Well, again, it, it, it relates back to Sienna's discussion of what's happening in Latrobe Valley with coal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a strange kind of mix of, of, of motivations and politics and voting patterns and so on. But let's just move on to um, something else because you, you, you hinted at it about the regional forest agreements and part of what the Forest Collective is, wants to do is essentially not allow renewals and the extensions of these um, regional forest agreements. What what are they exactly and, and what yeah. does it mean for us? Alrighty, so not my area of expertise, but I'll have a crack. Uh, regional forest agreements are essentially contracts between the federal government, the state government and industry, supposedly with input from environmental groups and the public. Uh, I say supposedly, there's a big history of intimidation and bullying. Uh, they've been going for 20 years um, in most parts of Australia, and they essentially allow state forestry agencies exemptions from federal environment laws from the um, Environmental Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act, which means that they can basically log whatever they want. Um, and they're also meant to have uh, five year, you know, um, every five years to have a review. Uh, interestingly, this has not been occurring for most RFAs, and recently, the Environmental Justice Australia, on behalf of Friends of Leadbeater's Possums, has taken Vic Forest and the Department of Environment to court in federal court in Melbourne on the fact that they haven't been performing these reviews. Mm. And so that's an ongoing case which seems to pivot on this three-word phrase in accordance with and what the legal 
definition of that is. So that's all very confusing. But interestingly, after this case was started, um, out of nowhere, there's a RFA review in process now uh, for East Gippsland and for Central Highlands, uh, seeming to try and slip one in whilst they still can. Mm-hmm. But the expiry, the expiry date is coming up in March for the East Gippsland and the Central Highlands RFAs. And the review currently only takes it up to June 2014. So there's three years of logging that aren't going to be reviewed. Uh, they, they are a terrible excuse for a, a, a law. And, yeah, they, they should be scrapped. Now, just going on from what you're talking about in terms of these changes, you wanted to mention, and you, you talked to me before about um, the forest campaign in relation to Northcote and the Northcote by-election, because this all sounds seems very far away. Mm. It's in regional Victoria, but you're saying there's actually a lot of response and interest in this stuff in city, urban environments. Yeah. Well, about September, October last year, we were sort of sitting down as a collective and planning out our 2018 electoral strategy. How are we going to get Daniel Andrews to switch? It's going to take... 12 months and here's every step in the plan and then with the sad passing of Fiona Richardson um, MP uh, we were suddenly tossed into a by-election and we kind of went at it and we had um, yeah we had 70 volunteers letterboxing every house in the in the district and we were out at every station over a two-week period and we had the community forum and etc and essentially we went from Great Forest National Park, particularly, having very little brand recognition uh, in the inner city, to polling suggesting that 80% of um, Northcote residents supported the park and 60% were like, more likely to vote for a candidate that supported the park. So, you know, very quick, very rapid, but huge um, volunteer mobilisation and then just lots of behind-the-scenes lobbying work with all the candidates. And we got Claire Burns, the Labour candidate, um, a week out from the polls, came out and supported the Great Forest National Park, clearly showing that there's some manoeuvrability in Labor currently to mm. support it. And so that's basically the strategy for larger-scale Victoria, is we want to repeat this yep. in marginal seats and a, a little bit all over the place so that, yeah, Daniel Andrews' government really feels the pressure and they understand that voters will respect them and vote for them if they start delivering on these outcomes. Right. Very, very interesting the way you're describing it. And how can people get involved in, and find out more about what you're talking about? Well, yeah. Uh, the reason the Forest Collective exists is because there's so many groups that you can get involved in. Uh, firstly, I'd just like to say, contact your MP, email them, call them, visit their office. That's always a great place to start. Um, we have collective meetings fortnightly on a Thursday. The next one's coming up Thursday, 8th of February at 6pm, upstairs in the Smith Street office of Friends of the Earth, but also getting involved in Wildlife Central Highlands, Friends of Ladies Possums, uh, Goonga Environment Centre, Knitting Nanas of Talangi. There's just heaps of groups. Just mm. find your local mm-hmm. group and, and he- or head out to the forest. And, uh, yeah, just you will not regret it. Just, uh, we've got a couple of more minutes. Uh, you mentioned a blockade. Tell us, can you fill us in on that and just give them a bit of a shout out? Yeah, so there is this about a dozen currently staunch activists out at Granite Mountain Blockade in East Gippsland. Um, yeah, this, this, this is a part of East Gippsland of old growth that was surveyed by Gecko and they, they found, you know, they found these uh, dozen large trees 
and they submitted a report to the minister, but nothing came of it. And they decided it was important enough that they were going to blockade it. So they set up a tripod. There's um, someone sitting in a hammock currently hanging from that tripod. They're blocking the access road. And it's been going for a few weeks now. And Mm -hmm. it is ongoing and has successfully stopped any logging occurring there. So, yeah, all support to them, solidarity to them. And, yeah, if you're really keen, yeah, head out to East Gippsland (laughs) and and hop in the tripod. You've got a few 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 spare days. (laughs) Yeah, got a few spare days. Long weekend, perhaps. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's been fascinating talking to, actually talking to you and finding out a little bit more. And I'm very encouraged by what you're talking about, the relationship between those regional areas and people mm. empathetic and supportive in the cities. Because yeah. I think that's really, really critical for, for the way the camp- these kinds of campaigns work. So I want to thank you, Calum and uh, Calum Simpson and uh, for coming into fo- uh, to Dirt uh, to Radio today. And Callum is a member of Foes Forest Collective. And I've got, we've got a bunch of uh, websites and links that we'll put up on the 3CR Dirt Radio Facebook page uh, and, sorry, and also on our website as well. That brings us to the end of the second part of the Dirt Radio special on the Victorian election and the issues foe will be campaigning on. Thanks both to our special guest, Ziana Fuad from Quit Call and Callum Simpson from Foes Forest Collective. We're going to be here next Tuesday. Dirt Radio is affiliated with Friends of the Earth Melbourne. Go to their website, foe.org.au. And as I said, all the material discussed on the show will be posted on the 3CR Dirt Radio website.